I'm Bonnie Glazer, director of the China Power Project at the Center for Strategic and International Studies. In this episode of the China Power podcast, we're discussing current developments in the China-India relationship in the aftermath of the April 2018 Wuhan summit between Indian Prime Minister Narendra Modi and Chinese leader Xi Jinping. China and India are the two most populous countries in the world, both characterized by fast-growing emerging economies and rapid development. Despite these similarities, their differences have led to persistent tension within the Sino-Indian relationship, from territorial disputes to friction over Tibet and China's relations with Pakistan. However, recent interactions between Xi Jinping and Prime Minister Modi suggest that both see benefits in stabilizing and improving bilateral ties. To discuss the changing dynamics and the trajectory of China-India relations, I'm joined by Jagannath Panda. Dr. Panda is a research fellow and coordinator of the East Asia Center at the Institute for Defense Studies and Analyses in New Delhi, India. Jagannath, thanks for joining us today. Thank you, Bunny. So just over a year has passed since the confrontation between Indian and Chinese troops in the Doklam area in the Himalayas. Um, that was, of course, was diffused in August of uh, 2017. The bilateral relationship has taken a positive turn, so I'd like to explore the reasons for this improvement. In late April, as I mentioned, Indian Prime Minister uh, Modi traveled to the Chinese city of Wuhan and had his first ever informal summit uh, with Xi Jinping. So what was likely discussed at that meeting and what role did the summit play in stabilizing the relationship? Interesting question. In fact, uh, in order to understand the dynamics of Wuhan and what was actually discussed in between Modi and Xi in Wuhan, we first need to really talk about a little bit about the Doklam incident and how did from Doklam the Wuhan happened. I think um, if Doklam incident was a surprising development in India-China relation to some extent uh, because India never expected that this kind of, this scale of incident is going to happen. Neither China also expected. But I think it was a strategic planned move by the Chinese to create a riffle between India and Bhutan through the Doklam incident. And that was the um, that was the defining element uh, in India-China relation, uh, particularly on the boundary issue, because the Chinese have been for a long time trying to establish the diplomatic relationship with Bhutan, number one. Number two, they want to create a riffle between India and Bhutan, uh, which successfully they did to some extent by creating the Doklam incident. Third, they are trying to continuously test India's patience and India's preservance on the boundary issue. So Doklam incident was a pre-planned issue by the Chinese uh, side. But again, uh, the way uh, India responded to the Doklam incident actually caught the Chinese in a lot of surprises. In fact, the Chinese were completely taken aback when India crossed the international boundary and to face the PLA for 72, 73 days continuously was really a statement by India. And I think that has been really caught the Chinese in a surprise. And I think the Chinese were also caught in a dilemma how to resolve the tensions. They definitely didn't want it 
tensions to escalate and to go for a war because uh, it is not in their best interest. And we know for a fact that China is having multiple problems, not only on the domestic front, but also on the international front. So they could not have afforded another warlike situation with India for a long time. So uh, if the tensions from the Doklam incident really come down, it was because both the countries were willing to come, come it down. And they decided to resolve it for their mutual benefits. So it was a Let's say it was a core decision by both the sides to resolve the Doklam incident. But I think what is interesting to see is that um, India took that first step to normalize the relationship after the Doklam incident where Prime Minister Modi visited Wuhan to meet Xi Jinping. And we need to ask that why did actually Prime Minister Modi went to Wuhan to meet Xi Jinping? Uh, I think there are a number of issues uh, uh, that is involved in that. Of course, um, India never wanted the Doklam to happen. But once the Doklam happened and India crossed the international boundary and stood there in front of PLA for 73 days, India was also caught in a dilemma that what if another Duklam or a Duklam 2.0 really resurfaces at some point. And I think in order to avoid that kind of situation, there was a corrective measures at the political level was taken. And I think Prime Minister Modi went to China to meet Xi Jinping in Wuhan uh, in an informal meeting. And I think the second issue was, I think Prime Minister Modi is going to face an election early next year, in May or June uh, 2019. So Clearly, Prime Minister Modi never wanted that uh, another Doklam kind of incident should happen between India and China, which will be an election issue um, domestically, I mean, in, within India, which might affect his, you know, uh, popularity or it might be uh, might become an election issue, which might affect his political fortune in, in India. Um, I think the third reason is, I think, from the Chinese side, the Chinese side also didn't want that uh, India um, should really be cut off uh, in such a situation where India wouldn't be really showing a positive inclination towards China. I think Chinese are constantly, as you know, under Xi Jinping, they are looking for uh, new partners. Uh, they are looking for new markets to get materialized their foreign policy, particularly on many issues, including Belt and Road initiatives. So I think they have not really given up on India uh, when it comes to market, uh, you know, for the Chinese investment in Indian market, when it comes to, you know, encouraging India to reconsider on the BRI joining. And I think India is the only major country which has held reservation about BRI. But the Chinese continuously try to impress India on different mode, primarily because they their relationship, the Chinese relationship with the US is not really moving anywhere. So it has been a clear strategic mode move by Xi Jinping administration too to um, welcome Modi to have this informal understanding and to give a new direction to India-China relation. So what we saw in the Wuhan summit meeting between Modi and Xi, a new narrative uh, emerging between India and China, the narrative to push forward the pitching consensus formula between India and China. And uh, if I could just briefly mention about pitching consensus, I think India-China relationship has been heavily reliant on pitching consensus where both the sides have agreed to put the irritants aside, which is the boundary issues and the problematic issues, to put it aside, but to keep on engaging within a broader economic formula, uh, in an economic cooperative formula, where not only bilaterally but also regionally and globally in different 
multilateral forums. And therefore, we see today India and China are working together in BRICS, in in uh, New Development Bank, AIIB. Now India has become a member of SEO. So the Wuhan uh, summit wanted to give a narrative to that Wuhan uh, to, to, to that pitching consensus, what India-China relationship has always been reliant on. Well, let's unpack some of that a bit because you raise so many interesting uh, issues. You really didn't talk much about the U.S. factor, and I think that President Trump's policy may be toward the region, towards China, which there's been obviously a in- increased contentiousness and friction, competition in the U.S.-China relationship. And I think some countries would say uh, some unpredictability about uh, U.S. factor in the region. So India has been improving its relations with the United States nonetheless, in part, I think, because of concerns about China. So how does then Prime Minister Modi balance this, um, the desire to improve relations with the United States to uh, counter uh, the growing threats and concerns that China poses, and yet also have this improved, stable relationship with China. Yeah, I think uh, we need to understand the changing patterns in Indian foreign policy. And there, both U.S. and China are the two prominent factors. Uh, If we talk about Indian foreign policy, I think it has moved away from that non-alignment, so-called non-alignment principle. Uh, We are today are adapting to a framework which is based on strategic autonomy. That means increasingly we are following of a principle, what is called alignment politics, alignment minus alliance politics. That means we do not really want to subscribe to any alliance building formula. But at the same time, we believe in multiple alignment framework. And within that alignment framework, we both see US and China are strong partners for Indian foreign policy and for India at different levels. Our relationship with the US is, of course, is based on a different platform. Uh, it is much more stronger. It is uh, be, uh, US is uh, considered as the strategic partner of India and uh, the defense and security partnership between India and uh, US is moving to a new level. So there, I think uh, both India and US are configured a partnership which is originally based on the Washington consensus. India adapting to the free market, India adapting to the uh, liberal world structure, endorsing the you know liberal values, and uh, you know partnering with US uh, on the security and uh, strategic issues. Uh, at the same time. What we are seeing is that India having a pluralistic foreign policy, open foreign policy, which is alignment-based politics, uh, alignment-based foreign policy to engage with China and China-led scheme of things. Of course, India does not really endorse China-led scheme of things always, but there have been cases where India have been benefited by associating with China. And therefore, what we have seen today is that a new kind of engagement politics, a engagement relationship framework between India and China has emerged uh, at the bilateral level and also at the regional and global level. And this is what uh, 
द मीटिंग बिटुईन मोदी एंड सी जिनपिंग इन वुहान हज एक्चुअली एमिंग टू पुस फरवर्ड इफ यू सी टूडे आई थिंक इंडिया इज नाउ ए मेम्बर अफ सांघाई कपरेसन अर्गानाइजेशन एंड अंडर दैट अर्गानाइजेशन वी आर टकिंग अबाउट ए रेंज अफ रिजनाल कनेक्टिविटी इश्यूज टू इकोनॉमिक इश्यूज इंडिया इज अ पार्ट अफ ए आई बी एशियन इन्फ्रास्ट्रक्चर इन्वेस्टमेंट बैंक इवन दो इंडिया इज हाविंग ए प्रॉब्लम उथ बेल्ट एंड रोड इनिशिएटिव बट इंडिया इज नट रियली क्लोज टू द आइडिया अफ ए कन्सल्टेटिव फ्रेमवर्क वेन इट कम्स टू कनेक्टिविटी एंड इन्फ्रास्ट्रक्चर एंड देर इंडिया हेज जॉन डिसाइडेड टू जॉन ए आई बी बिकज ए आई बी बेस्ड इज बेस्ड ऑन ए कन्सल्टेटिव फ्रेमवर्क इट्स इट्स बेस्ड ऑन ए मल्टीलेटरल कन्सल्टेटिव फ्रेमवर्क बट बी आर आई इज ए यूनिलेटरल प्रपोजिशन ऑफ चाइना सो इंडियाज पोजिशन एंड अप्रोच towards china is very much defined it is based on alignment based politics and we do see china as a partner but we equally see us as a stronger partner and i think uh, if we see the india us relationship of course it's moving in the right direction but again trump's cold approach towards asia trump's cold approach towards a range of issues has not really offered enough confidence to india and i think as a result um one could argue and one could possibly see that india has decided temporarily to probably go and uh, you know amend the relationship with china and that also serves the chinese interest they are looking india for a long time as a partner if not as a stable partner if not as a secured permanent partner but as a conditional partner uh, it serves the chinese purpose chinese scheme of things they they are looking constantly for uh, you know uh, quantity the relationship uh, and that's what uh, matters to the chinese foreign policy and chinese leadership they are looking india as a conditional partner on different scheme of things and i think wuhan summit between modi and xi has offered a kind of temporary guidance to this india china relationship as for the elections that are coming up next year in india and you mentioned that as a factor that's also driving and influencing prime minister modi's uh, approach to china so assuming that he is reelected remains in power would his policy toward china further adjust after the elections is there anything about this current improvement in stability in relations that might be tactical or is it very strategic i would say that um, even though modi will be reelected for the next election and will come back as a leader and prime minister of india he would really like to follow um the same china policy what he is having currently and he would like the status quo should be maintained because we need to understand that not all of modi's policy has been successful now uh, uh, the government uh, what prime minister modi is currently heading has promised a number of issues to indian public and one of the issues which he has not really fulfilled all this while is to em- to generate enough employment and i think that is one of the issues which is going to affect his uh, number of seats in the next election so he would like to ensure creating jobs and employment by taking investment from abroad of course uh, investment from japan is always welcome and he has been quite forthcoming about that west com um, investment from us is always welcome but he is also open to the investment from china and uh, we have seen that when uh, modi was chief minister of gujarat he has welcomed enormously hugely the chinese investment to gujarat and he would like to 
um, replicate that kind of model throughout India. So even though in the next election Modi comes back to power and continue to hold the prime ministership, I would I would uh, assume that uh, you know um, he would like to have a economic oriented relationship with China, and the status quo should be maintained, and he would like that. But again, um, the India-China relationship dynamics is such that the problems, the classical problems, really don't go away, and we will see that uh, problems on the border, on the boundary issues, really resurfacing at some point. But more than the boundary problem, I do see that the Tibet issue, the Dalai Lama issue, might remain a complicated issue for some time between India and China because we know for a fact that Dalai Lama is not well right now, and he is not really keeping well, and there is a lot of um, you know discussion going on not only in uh, India but also in Beijing in China how to address the issue, and I think we know for a fact that Dalai Lama and Tibet issue is the uh, is the real core issue when it comes to the Chinese because that touches the Chinese sentiment. They call uh, His Holiness Dalai Lama as the terrorist. So it, it, it is a very um, sentimental, emotional issue for the Chinese. So that aspect might be a triggering issue between India and China. But ideally, um, Modi would like to have a stable relationship with China uh, for the timing and uh, when he returns to power, he would like to uh, maintain the status quo. At Wuhan, do you think that the two leaders talked about these more sensitive issues like Tibet, like uh, China's policy towards Pakistan, or did they focus exclusively on economic issues and just shelve these other issues in the hope that they would just be stabilized as a result of the economic relationship improving? I think um, in Wuhan, again, uh, it was a purely informal summit uh, between the two leaders. And uh, what we saw after that, a number of uh, informal summits are happening uh, all across the world. So, in fact, in that meeting has set the trend in some ways for other informal summits. But I think that has set an example in some ways to the fact that uh, both the leaders thought that they are the two prime leading countries of Asia and the world today. And they should not really be complicating the relations. But I think that kind of broad consensus has evolved from the Yuhan uh, meeting between Modi and Xi, uh, which is there to continue for some time, if not permanently. Um, I think objectively speaking, uh, yes, um, probably there was a tactical understanding between Modi and Xi that not to allow the boundary issue to become a complicated issue to affect the overall relationship discourse. So that has been decided that let the boundary issue, uh, let's keep it aside and you know move ahead. So boundary issue, building a confidence on the issue was one of the agenda, probably uh, during the Wuhan summit. This, I think the other issues, core issues was of course uh, about, not only about Belt and Road initiatives, but also on a number of connectivities and economic oriented projects. Uh, the Chinese understand that India has a reservation and I think Xi Jinping is now has accepted that it will be difficult for India to accept uh, publicly and officially or to endorse China's Belt and Road uh, initiative officially. So the Chinese have accepted that India is not really going to change its official position. But I think the attempt has been that um, the India-China economic and trade cooperation and the cooperation on connectivity issues can be progressed outside the 
BRI purview. And I think that has been the understanding that without really bringing BRI as a factor, let's continue to engage on a range of issues that could have been a part of the BRI. And I think that has been the broader understanding between Modi and C that uh, Let's not allow BRI to become a problematic issue between India and China. But within the BRI, whatever issues required to be dealt with or needs to be cooperated upon, we are ready to do that. I think that kind of informal understanding has been built. And as a result, today we see that the Chinese companies are coming to India and they are trying to explore new opportunities. A range of dialogues are again you know, started happening between the two sides at different levels. In fact, the Chinese defense minister recently came to India uh, after a long time it was a, a long due visit um, uh, interactions at different secretary level and uh, different ministerial level are again started happening so the normalization at the political level has happened after the one summit the third important thing is that i think the informal understanding between modi and c in one suggest that not to allow the third country to become a vital factor in India-China relation. And I think it was a tactical understanding, though one would like to verify on this issue, but my impression would be that it is a tactical understanding not to allow too much uh, the US to become a middle factor between India and China at some level, uh, not to also allow Japan uh, to become a factor between India and China too much, including some of the other countries. And probably from India's side, I think uh, we have also successfully managed to convince China not to allow Pakistan too much leeway uh, on the issue of terrorism to SIPEC to other range of issues. And I think it is it has been a um, good uh, business-oriented informal deal between Modi and C uh, at the one summit. And I think that is going to be reflected in India-China relation for next few years, if not for a long time. One of the areas that you haven't talked about is the growing PLA presence in the Indian Ocean, which of course in recent years has really been a concern for India. And now we have a Chinese base in Djibouti. Some people think that there might be other bases in the future. Uh, we have the uh, Chinese uh, having gotten a 99-year lease in Hambantota uh, in Sri Lanka, though we don't know for what purposes that might be used, and it may be more commercial. Uh, but I think there are growing concerns. And I wonder how you think India and China, Modi and Xi Jinping, sort of dealt with that set of issues. I think um, Chinese adventurism in Indo-Pacific or in the Indian Ocean region is a known fact. And I think uh, India is uh, uh, taking a strong notice of that. And I think if China's adventurism in Indian Ocean, particularly the Chinese Navy, the way it's reaching out to Indian Ocean, has affected any country's interest most, I believe that is going to be India's interest because India is the real uh, maritime power in the region and India is the core guardian of the Indian Ocean in some ways. Uh, but I think in order to address that issue, eh, as I mentioned earlier, uh, India's approach is going to be a somewhat little different from what we are generally so far been thinking about, building a grand coalition against China. And I think there India has changed a little um, in, if not changed, India has followed a nuanced approach towards China. One is that I think we need to understand that between India and China, there is yet to be a so-called dispute on the maritime issues. There is no dispute 
dispute maritime issues between india and china there is no conflict between india and china per se yes indian interest is getting affected china is becoming more assertive on the maritime domains china is building ports which is affecting india's economic interest in the regions but again we have not really entered into a dispute and i think indian approach is going to be to address that um issue how not to allow all of these rising chinese influence to lead into a dispute with uh, with india at 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 a future point and therefore you will see india china now are having maritime dialogues so the approach is not to really develop a kind of another dispute between the two countries the second issue is that even though we know for a fact that india and china today are having maritime dialogue and india's approach towards china is not to enter into a dispute we know for a fact that uh, india's interest is getting affected and there india is going to have a multi-pronged strategy of uh, improving its relationship particularly in the maritime domains with us with japan and australia uh, even though we saw that uh, you know nothing much concrete has been uh, done under quad proposition and quad is still a very uh, at, at a very inception level and only the second round of meeting has happened but i think indian approach is to talk about infrastructural development to talk about non traditional issues to talk about securing the interest of the like minded countries in the regions so india is going to take more interest but again india would be careful of doing something which will really confront with the chinese so there you will see india having a little matured approach on the maritime regions and not without really falling into into a kind of scenario where india has to really confront with the chinese navy directly i i, I think uh, in delhi the conscience at attempt is to avoid that kind of situation at this at this moment do you think that also includes the south china sea um, i know that india has been one of the countries that were concerned in the aftermath of the july uh, 2016 uh, decision by the arbitral tribunal of course china uh, rejected the fact that uh, the nine dash line was essentially considered illegal uh, india of course hasn't been extremely involved in it but there has been the act east policy and a and an impetus to get more involved in east asia so do you think that then india will be more careful going forward in other words that its policies will be determined primarily by avoiding confrontation with china i think uh, india has already been a little cautious about uh, the south china sea oil exploration with the vietnamese if we see india's record of course in 2007 8 9 that period india went uh, ahead in you know for the joint exploration with the petro vietnam and there we saw the chinese objecting uh, to the some of this uh, joint petrol joint um, uh, oil exploration in the south china sea uh, zone even though some of these joint explorations were outside the nine dash line uh, but i think what has happened is that not only the chinese object to it but i think there has also been an invitation from china to the indian oil companies to work out and cooperate for joint exploration in south china sea zone so india 
is having a pragmatic approach, a practical approach towards oil exploration issue in the South China Sea. And we know for a fact that India is not a party to the South China Sea dispute. And India would consciously like to avoid taking any position or stance on the, on the, on the issue. And therefore, one would see that even though Indian interest is somewhere, somewhere being checked by the Chinese uh, objection and the Chinese are becoming more and more strong towards um, India's outreach in the East Asia and particularly in the ASEAN regions, still I think India would not really like to go to an extent to confront with China in that region. Um, we believe the India-China um, ties and the relationship framework is actually has many layers, as Prime Minister Modi said uh, during his uh, Shangri-La dialogue uh, speech. Um, India would like to have a check on China on the boundary issue, on the Pakistan issue, and on the broader maritime issues by cooperating with like-minded uh, countries like US, Japan, and maybe in Australia. But India would not really like to do something or act upon a region where it has to lead into a confrontation with the Chinese. And I think India would be really cautious about that. Saying that, I think one positive thing in the ASEAN region which has actually emerged, and that is actually to India's advantage, is that most of the ASEAN countries today are looking India quite positively, uh, mostly to some extent as an alternative power to China. And I think India should derive strength from there. But uh, deriving strength does not imply that India would be really doing something against China there. Yes, what India is trying to do through its activist policy is to uh, position itself on a multiple level, at a multiple level on a, on a range of issues, be it economically tying up with the countries in the regions, institutionally engaging with ASEAN, and also economically, if we see now, India is trying to have a part of the uh, regional economic integration process through RCEP. So, our, so India's approach towards Arctic is based on its own merit rather than confronting with China. And that uh, I think that is going to be the continuing aspect of India's Arctic policy. Finally, let me ask you, if you were to look out maybe over the next five years, what you think um, could be areas that there could be more friction or more cooperation in the China-India relationship? You mentioned on the on the friction side, possibly the Dalai Lama could pass from the scene, Tibet could, could emerge. Are there other issues that you think could be very contentious? Do you think the border issue might flare up again? And then are there areas where you foresee really strength and cooperation? I believe there are three issues where India-China might have some uh, minor confrontations. Um, or let's say these issues might create further riffles between India and China. One is the Dalai Lama issue. If Dalai uh, Lama passes away tomorrow, uh, the way his condition today is, uh, the situation between India and China involving the Tibetan communities might get complicated. Uh, even though there is uh, no guarantee that this is going to lead into a conflict, but the issue is such a sentimental and emotional issue on both the sides because it involved the boundary dispute, it involves the Tibetan community, it involved Dalai Lama, it uh, involved the 1962 war. Uh, so so it's such an emotional issue that relationship will be tenseful at some point. So this is one aspect which could actually trigger a tension, um, confrontation between India and China at some level. But again, I believe uh, 
both the countries are mature enough to address this issue. That might really not go out of the hand. The second issue, I think, is the boundary issue. Uh, continuous transgression from the Chinese side will continue to happen. And I think uh, uh, the past two decades trend suggests that this is going to be a continuous process. But India has learned to live with it. Uh, the approach would be not to escalate this tension. The third issue is that I think the competition in the immediate neighborhood, um, the way the Chinese are influencing some, some of the smaller countries through the BRI projects, through their investment packages. And I think there India will face a tough competition, the relationship might see some tensions in on those aspects. But overall, I think on the broader aspect, if you see, I think uh, the Wuhan summit um, has to set an um, example. And I think the, the positivity out of the Wuhan summit will carry forward further. We'll see India-China having regular dialogues, more purposeful trade and economic cooperation and this is being uh, you know progressively this is being pushed forward uh, on the because of the US China trade war uh, which is going to happen and uh, given Trump's approach towards China I think the Chinese are looking for India as a more prospective partners economically and India would like to take advantage of that even though uh, on the security issues India would really not like to stay with China on some of these issues but again India will find strategic consonance in engaging with China so one would see that the trade and economic becoming the defining aspect of this relationship and India-China relationship progressing further. So that means if I could conclude it by saying that um, one would see a continuous and progressive India-China relations, trade and economic relation uh, engagement becoming the defining element. But again, uh, small conflicts cannot be ruled out. We've been talking with Dr. Jagannath Panda who is a research fellow and coordinator of the East Asia Center at the Institute for Defense Studies and Analyses in New Delhi, India. Thanks so much for talking to us today. My pleasure. Thank you very much. Mm -hmm.